Let's get to some basketball. We have a great show for you. We have a tremendous interview with Eric Horn. He is the Oklahoma City Thunder beat writer for the Oklahoman. He gives us some outstanding insight into Russell Westbrook and Paul George and whether or not he thinks Paul George will re-sign with the Thunder. You'll be surprised at his answer. Then, of course, we got my man Jay Mack for another outstanding episode of Knockdown Jay. But first, as always, we're getting to the top five. This was an interesting week in the NBA. You saw Blake Griffin get traded in a move that shocked everyone associated with the association. He was traded to Detroit, and that got me to thinking, who are the best five Clippers in franchise history. Now, you might think it's obvious because it's not like they've had a wonderful history, but I think I'm going to throw some surprises at you. At number five, DeAndre Jordan, the big man, the seven-footer. He has had a great career with the Clippers. His All 10 years of his career spent there. He might be on the move before next week's trade deadline, just like his boy Blake. But if so, he will go down as one of the greatest players in franchise history. At number four, Elton Brand, yes, the undersized center out of Duke, had a great career, seven seasons with the Clippers, revitalized the franchise in the early 2000s, gave them 20 points, 10 rebounds a game on 50% shooting, two-time All-Star, and led the Clippers to two playoff appearances and really put them back on stage as a legitimate franchise. At number three, Blake Griffin, by far the most exciting player in franchise history and the fifth greatest game dunker of all time, according to yours truly. Also won a slam dunk championship, five-time All-Star with the Clips, and also gave us some of the best commercials in NBA history. At number two, Chris Paul, yes, the running mate of Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan gave the franchise its first and only big three. They had the greatest run in franchise history, but it was a bit disappointing because this was a team with Chris Paul leading the way that had the capability to get to the NBA Finals, if not win a championship, but they never got past the second round. But hey, Chris Paul was fantastic in most regards. 19 points, 10 assists a game in his six years with the Clippers. Had a couple bad playoff moments, but also had some tremendous ones. One of the greatest point guards we've ever seen and the second greatest Clipper of all time. So you're now wondering who in the world is number one. He averaged 28 points, nearly 13 rebounds a game in his stint with the Clippers. Look, it's clear cut. Not Chris, not Blake, not Elton, not DeAndre, but Bob McAdoo is the greatest player in Clippers franchise history. Yes, never played for the Clippers, but remember, the Clippers used to be the San Diego Clippers who used to be the Buffalo Braves, and that's where Mr. McAdoo did his thing. 
early 70s. Five years with the Braves. Led them to three playoff appearances. Two of those playoff appearances, they lost to the eventual champions of the NBA, Boston Celtics, in six games both years. So he led them to great team success. But more than that, he was an individual superstar. A five-time All-Star with the Braves. Three-time scoring leader. And each of those three years, he put in over 30 points a game. 1974-75 season became the only NBA MVP in franchise history. Averaged 28 points, nearly 13 rebounds a game in his stint with the Clippers. It's clear cut. Not Chris, not Blake, not DeAndre, not Elton, but Bob McAdoo is the greatest Clipper of all time. Eric Horn, what's happening, man? Oh, it's good, man. It's a, it's a beautiful day in, in Oklahoma City. I, I am not on the D.C. trip, but I will be in Denver uh, on Thursday. Okay, okay. Well, I have to tell everybody you a homeboy. You're from Louisiana, as am I. Please do. So Please do. <laughs> so I'm proud of your success. Three years on the beat, right, at the Oklahoma covering yep. the Thunder. Is that correct? Yep, yep. Third year all this right, year. Right. Uh, great, Yep. great. Well, of course, it's always uh, a lot going on with the Thunder, so let's get right into it. Before we get to the serious stuff, I have to ask you, what in the world was up with Russell Westbrook's bathrobe the other day that he wore to the game? <laughs> we, we, had a, we had a conspiracy theory that that, was, uh, that that was in honor of Andre Robertson, whose name is typically mispronounced as Roberson in visiting arenas. But that is a, that is a deep, deep cut conspiracy theory. That was just Russell being a goofball because Russell Westbrook will wear. Basically, I feel like Russell Westbrook walks to the door as he's like leaving his house and he sees something laying around and he's like, yep, that's it today. That's the one. <laughs> so like, like his, 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 his like son might have been teething on that bathrobe before he walked out the door and he said, give me that, Noah. I'm wearing that to the game tonight. Um, Ross is off the chain, man. Like he, he, there's, there's no rhyme or reason to what he does or what he wears. He just does things, and he, he always keeps showing your toes, man. Uh, he's, he's an interesting cat. <laughs> Have you ever asked him like what, why, what's up with his wardrobe, like his choices and all that? You ever talk to him about that, man? Let me tell. You, if, if I asked him that, he'd probably shoot me a funny look, but. He's one of those guys that says, you know, his, his wardrobe choices, uh, they were inspired by his mother, I think. His mom always encouraged him to be different. And, to, um, and, and he, says, he says, dating back to when he was a kid, his mom was always making sure he looked fresh and whatever. Like, he had the, had, had the fresh stuff and always wanted him to look good. And I think that that has inspired him as an adult to, you know, never, never be standard, never be a guy who's doing what anybody else is doing. And, and he's been ahead of the curve, man, when it comes to these guys and, and their fashion. Man. He's made it into a runway. It's like you're anticipating <laughs> his outfits every TV, like every TV game. We know Russell's going to wear some wild stuff. Like, I, um, he came in, I guess it was maybe two games ago, 
he came in and he had a shirt that looked like a like a cheetah attacked him before he came in the game. Like yeah, the part I of the saw shirt that one. Ripped. Yellow one, right? To where to where you could just see all of his muscles and everything. Um, he he likes he obviously likes to show off his body because he's got a great physique. Uh, but he, he'll just wear some wild stuff, man. Um, and look, if, if I was Russell Westbrook and I had that kind of physique and confidence, I'd probably be doing some crazy stuff too. So no, 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 don't don't say that. Don't say that, man. You wouldn't dress like that. You know. <laughs> no, you're right. I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't. I guess the definition of fresh has changed over the years, but but that's neither here nor there. So um, let me <laughs> let me ask you this: the the Thunder have been it's been well documented that their locker room was famously um hostile i guess toward the media has that changed um and i don't want to blame it all on kevin durant it may not have been his fault at all but has that has that dynamic changed at all in the last year and a half or so since kd's been gone um it's i guess i could look at it like this um it's been better this year because you have other guys or other stars to work with that aren't Russell Westbrook. Um, and, 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 mm. and I want to be careful about the word hostile because I don't think it's necessarily been hostile as it's been um, difficult at times uh, because they're player first. They've always been player first, whether, you know, whether it was Kevin here or was Russell by himself or the situation they've got going on now. They're player first. They cater to their players, and that makes it difficult at times for us to, um, you know, have some of the access that we that we typically have. We were covering another team. When Kevin was here, Kevin was a guy who was real. Uh, you know, he he would stand and take the punches after games most of the time, um, and he was kind of a guy that, you know, could Russell could play off of. Kevin could play off of Russell. Their lockers are right next to each other. They would take some heat off of each other. You know, Kevin leaves. Russell's basically got to be the guy that's got to talk every night. Um, you don't have somebody else that is of a star caliber to go and take some of that media pressure off of him. You know, Stephen Adams took a little bit of that. But it was basically Russell's show last year. And I think that, you know, sometimes it made for some contentious, um, contentious media sessions. Now this year, it's back to where there's more balance. You've got Paul George. You've got Carmelo Anthony. They like to play games sometimes and get dressed at the same time, and then we got to make a choice as to who we're going to get first. So you know, one of them will walk out the back door <laughs> while we got to make a choice to get Carmelo Anthony or Paul George. They're strategic. They're sneaky about it. But um, it's, it's been a better atmosphere because you have more, more professionalism in the locker room. It's not to say that Russell's not a professional. We but you know this, Chris. He's he he's not a guy who's going to go all in and be candid and, and yeah. give you your standard media answers or really get into the X's and O's of basketball. Like you can ask yeah. Carmelo Anthony a basketball question, and he's going to be a professional and stand up there and answer it. He's been doing that for 15 years. Same thing with Paul George for the most part. Russell Russell's not here for that mess. <laughs> like he comes to yeah. play basketball. It takes him a while to wind down after games, uh, and he'll bite your head off sometimes. And you got to kind of gauge the you got to got to gauge the feel of how he's going at the interview. He's he's, he's a challenge, and you know what? Sometimes I, I think there should be more challenging guys when it comes to uh, to players because sometimes these guys just tell us what we want to hear, but sometimes you ask them a yes or no question, 
And Russell would just be like, no. Like somebody somebody a couple of weeks ago yeah. asked him, um, Russell, can you tell us about so-and-so and what they do? Or, or, or he said, tell us about so-and-so and what they do. And Russell's like, no, I can't. <laughs> he's like no i can't do that i don't want to and i was just like yep yep that's russell westbrook so he worded it <laughs> he in. gave him an out he said can you and he said no i can't period but <laughs> like, no i can't <laughs> well er- everybody well let me ask you this about russ let's stay on russ um there's this perception in the national media that Russell is hard to play with. And, and obviously with Durant leaving, a lot of people have really jumped on it since then. What's your take on that? Um, you know, do you feel like that's the case? Um, and how are George and Melo kind of feeling about that? Well, I, I think that it's, a, it's, I think it's overblown. Um, I think if you ask certain players like a Steven Adams, if Russell is difficult to play with, he'd be the first guy to tell you that Russell puts it on the platform. Um, he's one of the best pick and roll guards in the league, uh, finding guys on lobs, uh, finding guys in transition. Um, I think it's challenging to be a teammate of Russell Westbrook, but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't go as far to say that he doesn't make guys better. I think he does make guys better. I think he pushes guys to, to work harder than they have before in their careers. Um, everybody's marveling at what Victor Oladipo is doing right now in Indiana. And with good reason, uh, Vic's having a tremendous season. But Victor Oladipo, he'll be the first one to tell you that he didn't understand what putting in work was until he got with Russell Westbrook. And when he started putting in, when he got around Russell Westbrook, that's when Victor kind of understood what he needed to do to be a better player. And, and, and Victor, you see the, the physique change he's had in this past year. I'm not going to give Russell Westbrook all the credit, but it's, it's clear that Russell Westbrook rubbed off on him in some way, and Victor said this before. Victor was ready to come into Thunder camp in the shape he's in now, and he just happened to get traded for Paul George. So Russell Westbrook's had a clear effect on guys he's played with. I, I, look, he got Carmelo Anthony at, at, at the stage of his career where Melo's on the downslope. Uh, Melo's having to adjust to a new role, uh, primarily being a spot-up guy, and he has to cut out the isolations. Um, look, would Paul George be a better player if he wasn't playing with Russell Westbrook? I'm not sure. Uh, I think Paul George is starting to come around to having a really good season. He's shooting like 43% from three, and he's yep. defending his butt off. So I think these guys, as their offense has gotten better, they're finally in the top ten in the league in offense now. I think you're starting to see that Russell Westbrook – is a guy that you can play with, and he's a guy that can lead a team. Um, I, I think that 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 national perception has been overblown because you know we tend to jump on narratives really quickly, and that Victor Oladipo thing took off so quick that people were quick to jump on, like, oh, Russell Westbrook was the reason that Victor Oladipo. No, 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 no. Yeah. let's give this thing some time, man. <laughs> let's let this thing play out a little, and now you're starting to see the Thunder thump some teams uh, offensively. When you say Russell, you obviously talk about how great his work ethic is. Beyond the typical going to practice, putting in your work in, in your two or three hours of practice or whatever, what does he do? Like, what's part of his routine, like, that goes above and beyond? Well, from what I understand, he, he, he basically doesn't put any trash in his body. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't smoke or drink. Um, he's meticulous in his, in his regimen. Uh, he's cliche, first guy there. 
Uh, Victor Oladipo has mentioned that too. He thought he was getting there early, and Russell was already there with a lather when they're working out. The <laughs> he's the he's the guy that's uh, he's the guy that's always you know leading leading the the work rate, and the, the, you see it in his physique, you see it in his uh, in what he's able to do on the court. Um, he, he goes beyond what's necessary for an athlete in order to, to, to get himself ready. And frankly, he has to, you know, it, it, he's a guy that people don't think about it, but he's a, he's 29 years old now. He, he, ain't, he ain't young anymore, man. So yeah, yeah. it's one of those where he's a guy who's got, he's got knee tendonitis. Um, it, it's going to be a, it's only gonna be a matter of time before, you know, age is going to catch up to him. He's going to lose that burst. He might have to have a knee surgery in his future. Uh, I'm not saying he's injured right now. He looks fantastic, but um, you know he's always going to have some knee issues. He had uh, he had PRP this summer. Uh, he's already had three right knee surgeries uh, in his career in that one year that he that he missed a big chunk of time. So Russell knows he has to keep his body in peak shape. He knows he has to be on top of it because you know he could deteriorate deteriorate quickly as a, as a small guard in this league. He can lose that burst and then. You know, that's a big part of his game, man. So he's always that guy that's outworking these guys. And I think that it really revealed a lot to people through that Victor Oladipo um, transformation because that guy was ready to come back and, and, and run with Russell. And I, I wish I could have seen it together. I'm gonna be, <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see these two guys together at All-Star and how they – So they, they were close. I, I, they were close. They were you close know, when, when Vic yeah, was there. Vic, they worked Victor out together. Studied, yeah, Victor, Victor studied him. Um, they worked out together in the offseason leading up to um, the, the, the season that, was, that they thought Kevin was coming back. They worked out together in California. Um, I, I'm not going to go as far as say they were close because I don't think Russell Westbrook has super tight relationships with a lot of guys. Um, but, you know, he likes to keep his close circle family, friends, agent but um he took victor under his wing you know i mean and vic will be the first person to tell you he owes he owes a lot to russell in terms of his preparation and 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 what he's become as a player obviously russell i mean what he did last year in average in a triple double was just incredible obviously we never thought we'd see that again in the modern nba uh but shoot he's all he's basically averaging a triple double this year 25 and a half points, 10, re- 10 assists, and 9.5 rebounds. Is it possible? And you, you saw most of the games last year. You've seen most of the games this year. And, and maybe, this, maybe the answer is a flat out no. But is it possible he's having a better season this year than last year? I think he is. I, I really do. I mean, if if he wanted to be averaging a triple double this year, basically all he'd have to do is go to Carmelo Anthony and negotiate and say, "Hey man, let me get a couple more defensive rebounds." Like <laughs> that's all he'd really need to do because like that's essentially what they were doing for him last year in terms of the rebounding. I mean, those guys were basically just boxing out for him and letting them get rebounds. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, on the defensive side, like if they want to let the guy get the rebounds, that's fine. Whatever. He can start the fast break quicker, and then he gets a statistical bump. Fine. But I think that this season is more impressive because Russell didn't have to – he didn't have to bend to anything last year. It was basically his will against the other team. Now he's got to run with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. He's got to balance a locker room. Um, he's got to balance 
his ego and his need to, you know, just go and take over a game, which I think he's done better as the season's gone on. Because I think in the beginning of the season, he was almost he was almost playing on eggshells. Like it, it was it was kind of yeah. I think maybe maybe and I'll admit this myself. Um, I went into this season thinking that Russell had to be a different player, or he had to make a a, a big change in order for Melo and Paul George to feel comfortable. And I think maybe you saw that in Russell's game early and it wasn't really working. It was uncomfortable. It didn't look fluid. It didn't look like he was playing with his instinct. Rather, he was thinking about getting these guys in positions to be happy and successful with the ball in their hand. Now it's like, I think Russell's made a decision. I think the guys around him have made a decision. Look, this is your team. We have to get comfortable to you. And ever since Russell started getting back to that mid-range, uh, about mid-December, cutting out the three-point shots, being more mindful of his turnovers, <laughs> his, his shooting percentages have skyrocketed. Um, his three-point percentage is still down, but frankly, he's got enough three-point firepower around him to where he doesn't need to be thinking about shooting the three-pointer as much. Um, he's getting to the line more. He's, he's been explosive around the rim. He's dunking the ball more. And frankly, he's been more invested, invested defensively. So he's played way more defense this year than he did last year. And I think part of that is having guys around like Paul George that are also excellent defenders. But Russell's been a better all-around player this year. Um, he, he's, he's got himself back in the MVP conversation since mid-December. He, he's been a phenomenal offensive player. Their offense is now top 10 in the league, like I said. Over the past month and a half, it's been a top five offense. So – I would argue, even though he's not averaging the the numbers that pop out of you, the triple-double numbers, he's not far off. And he's having a better season, season in my opinion. You mentioned Paul George. Uh, obviously, that's the question everybody has. Will he stay? I've said he has been so almost gushing about the situation in Oklahoma, uh, about Russ himself, obviously, when Russ came out and defended him being left off or defending him against being left off the all-star team. Uh, Now, of course, he is an all-star replacement for DeMarcus Cousins. But, you know, he's even – I mean, he said things, you know, like this makes my decision that much easier. He's talked about if things are going in the right direction, I'd be stupid to leave. I've said on the air that it's almost getting to a point where if he – if there's no implosion with this team, you know, if there's no – issue in the locker room or just it falls apart on the court and they go out really early and embarrassingly in the playoffs. I mean, barring anything like that, Paul George would almost look like a phony if he doesn't stay in Oklahoma city. What vibes are you getting? How do you think, how confident do you think the franchise is? Um, And how confident kind of are the people or the fans of the team and followers of the team that, they, that you guys think he's actually going to stay in Oklahoma City? Um, I've always remained skeptical. I've, made, I've remained skeptical from the jump, from the first day he got here. Um, everything I heard about Paul coming into this situation has pretty much been spot on. He's a guy who um, – he's a, he's a good dude. He's a, he's a, he's a fantastic player. Um, but he does have a tendency to say the things in the moment that you want to hear. And look, 
I don't I don't blame him for doing so. I, I think there was a there's a little bit of that in Kevin Durant as well. And, but with Kevin going out to the bay, I think you've seen him open up a little bit more in terms of how he expresses himself. Um, I think Paul George does have a good opportunity or a good has, has a good possibility to stay here. And I don't base that on anything he said. I base that on winning basketball games, and I base that on being around guys who are competitors like Russell Westbrook and and seeing the potential they have here. I mean, he, he'll get to play with Russell Westbrook in his prime. He'll get to play with Steven Adams, who seems to be growing every day as a player. He's, he's, he's ascending himself in the top, probably top 10, top, top five to 10 status in the NBA in terms of centers. Um, you know, you've got a guy in Carmelo Anthony who can still fill it up. Uh, if Andre Robertson comes back from his injury, he's, he, he and Paul George are the two best wing tandem defensively in the league. You know, we, we've had this idea that Paul George wants to go to L.A. And look, he, he might want to go to L.A., but what is he going to if he goes out there? <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. What, what, are, what, what are the Lakers doing? What are the Clippers doing? And I tell, but, but to counter that, I tell people all the time, Chris, these guys have, these guys have egos, man. And it's like we can't discount that Paul George might be confident enough in himself, whether, whether he believes it or not. It might be somebody gassing him up. It might be that he really believes it. But these guys, they, they get a notion that they can go be the person that changes a team. If Paul George believes that in his heart or somebody's gassing him up enough, whether it's an agent or the people around him, to think that he can go change the Lakers' culture, he might just go do that. He, just, he might just be like, look, I like it in Oklahoma City, I, but I get a chance to go home, and I believe that I can change the Lakers and be the face of the Lakers. Or he might say the same thing about the Clippers. If they free up enough cap room, which it looks like they're attempting to do with, the, you know, offloading Blake, uh, trying to move yeah. DeAndre and Lou Williams. But, like, I don't take any of the stuff that Paul George says seriously. It's not that I believe that he's lying. It's just that I think it's December. No, it's not December. It's January. Like, it's not, it's not <laughs> July. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Chris, Chris we, we've seen this too many times before, man. Like, like what do you make of what he's saying? Do you, do you feel like that's something that's going to hold up in six months? Well, like I said, I mean, he – see, I, I view it like it's one thing to be like, look, it's great here. You know, Russ and the guys have treated me really well. You know, I'm enjoying it, you know, and, you know, this summer we'll see what happens. But but right now, I'll tell you what, I, I really like it here. That's different than this is making my decision that much easier, you know, because of yeah. Russ's character. Yeah. Um, I'd be stupid might, to leave. You know, <laughs> that's what I – but, but I, might, I think uh, you make, you're making a good point, though. Like, he might he, – like, he might, he might look back and regret on those, okay? But <laughs> – Ultimately, I don't like. I don't even know if these guys even care. Like, if he were to go to the Lakers, what does it matter what he said to a group of fans in Oklahoma City? Like, ultimately, he can just—he'll only have to play in Oklahoma City what two, one more time a year. Oh He's no, you're absolutely right. Yep, you're like, absolutely right. What is it like? I, I know maybe in his heart he's like, man. It's disappointing that I had to leave Indiana or Oklahoma City. But, like, if he really wants to do something, what does he care about what he said six months? He would be able to shake it Um, off in a minute. You're right. 
he'd be, he'd be, shaking he'd be off fine. Now, yeah. now, now it'd be awkward. It'd be awkward when he was in the whenever he got around Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook wanted to tear him in half. He'd have a he'd have an enemy <laughs> for life on the court and Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Look, right, if he wants to right. cross Russell Westbrook, be my guest. Like that's that's really the person he's got to answer to. Like, the, 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 I don't think the fan <laughs> part is that big of a deal. Like. He's got to answer to Russell Westbrook. That's the problem. <laughs> like, well, speaking, kind of speaking, problem. Yeah, I was going to say, speaking of that, where, where do things stand with Durant and Westbrook? And, I mean, how upset still, and I know he's not obsessed with it. He's obviously moved on. But it, it really looks like he got no love at all, at all, for Kevin Durant. He, and no respect. Russell. <laughs> Russell does not forget anything, man. That dude does not forget. He doesn't forget anything. Like, he'll act like it before the game. Like, oh, it's just another game. And he, he always says that. I treat every game the same. I, I've been doing the same thing since I was uh, 16 years old in high school. I treat all the games the same. I go da da da. But then Joel Embiid dunks on him and gives him a mean mug. And then Russell comes down, dunks, turns to the bench and says, I'm coming, MFR. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's one of the pettiest people in the NBA, and it fuels him. That stuff fuels him. So, like, that Kevin, that he spent nine years with Kevin, that these dudes grew up together, like, I, I don't know how long it's going to take Russell Westbrook to get past that. I don't, I don't know if he will. Like, he's, I don't know if he can as an as a athlete who's still in his prime. Like, that's not his DNA. That's not his wiring. Like he might have to be an old man, settle down, like at his son's high school graduation, and just snap out of it and be like, you know what, man, that was that was petty. And then he still won't call <laughs> Kevin. <laughs> like, man, like this, this guy, this guy's different, man. He's just a he's an animal, dude. He's 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 Michael Jordan S in his competitive nature, and I don't think it's a I don't think it's a coincidence that he's the face of Jordan's brand because he, to me, he and Kobe are the two guys who embody what Jordan's mindset was in terms of basketball more than anybody we've seen in the past 20, 25 years. Like Russell just can't, he can't get past it. He won't. And it's like, I don't know if he's wrong. I mean, you would like us as normal people, we'd like to say, you know, time heals all wounds. And we want, you know, we want to we want to see people make amends and such. And I think that one day that might happen. I just I just can't begin to tell you when that's going to happen. Because like, this dude, how, how, this dude how lives. do the other how do the other players like Stephen Adams, Robertson, maybe even some of the coaches that how do they feel about Caden? I think. In general, those guys are like, you know, they're disappointed he left, but they understand that like it's a business and Kevin's a Kevin's a good dude. And I think that okay, I think so that they Russell don't they might, don't like, hate. Oh, like there's not there's not any there's not any kind of anger towards Kevin Durant for what he did from like the organization. Like people inside the organization will tell you, like, we don't they've they've never they'll continue to hammer that home. We've never said a bad thing about Kevin on the way out, this and that. And they're they're right. Like they've gone they, they basically either not said anything or they try to go out of their way to not throw shade at Kevin. Um, and they've been good about it. Like the, the, the guys we talked to have been good about it and they like Kevin. And I, I mean, I feel like somewhere in his heart, Russell probably does too, but 
Russell just can't let that stuff go if you're on the other team. Like, if you're on the other team, Russell doesn't care. <laughs> like, I mean, the, the most I've seen him, I mean, Scott Brooks comes to town, he'll give him a head nod before the game, and then he's going to try and rip Scott Brooks' heart out for 48 minutes, and then after the game, he, he might give him a little pat and a, and a little talk at, 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 the, at midcourt, but other than that, yo, man, he's out for blood, like... <laughs> Well, the rest of the organization, I think they're, I think they're okay. And, um, they understand that the business side of things and I mean, yeah, they'd love to have Kevin Durant here. Of course they would. He's one of the best players ever, but, um, you know, you got to go forward and, and I think they've, they've done a better job than most franchises would have, um, in the wake of losing a guy like that, man. So you sound like if you had to, uh, what percentage would you put on Paul George being an Oklahoma City Thunder player next year? Because it sounds like it's well below 50% in your mind. Ooh, well below? Uh, oh, man. See, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, just seeing them play the Clippers and Lakers this year, um, I would, I would actually, I would surprise you there, and I'd go over fifty percent. I, but slightly, I'd probably say like fifty-two percent. Um, that he stays okay. because he's had he's had firsthand accounts of how not close those teams are. If Paul <laughs> George, if, if Paul George values, look, it, it, and again, in the next six months he might get a call from LeBron's people saying that LeBron's going to, to LA. Yeah. If and, they want to go together. And, yeah. Right. And, and magic's trying to find a way to and, and magic and Rob Palenka are trying to find a way to finagle this thing to where they can get, you know, they can get a under the cap enough to where they can fit both of these guys together. Like that, that could, that could transpire and change the entire, the entire face of it. Would they be any closer to, Challenging the Golden State with LeBron, Paul George, and a bunch of junk, and, and Lonzo and a bunch of junk? I don't know. Does Paul George want to go there and deal with Lonzo's dad running his mouth? I, I don't know about that either. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, but would it be Paul George's team? It, 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 would, it would be either LeBron's yeah, team LeBron's or LeVar. Yeah. It would be either LeBron's team or LeVar Ball's team. One or the other. Pick. <laughs> so Paul knows what he's up. Paul knows what he's up against. If he makes that decision, he's not making it for basketball reasons. He's making it for, you know, either he thinks that he, he thinks that he can be the guy that can lead a team to greatness, which in this, in this superstar era, he's not going to be able to do it by himself. Um, or he's got people He's just got a connection to L.A. that's just undeniable, and he just wants to go back to L.A. I I almost feel like, and I've heard nothing nothing connecting this of the sort, but I almost feel like a team like Miami would be a better option for like a guy like a Paul George or LeBron because you go back to the East, you get to run game in the East, and you're not going to be butting heads against the Spurs, the, the Rockets, the Thunder, and the Warriors during the regular season. Uh, to me, yeah. the, the concept of going to an L.A. team and trying to go up and go to war against the Golden State, Golden State in Houston for the next three or four years when you're getting older, it just doesn't make much sense to me. So I think the percentage is higher 
for him to stay than it was for me in the beginning of the season. Um, because they they got to – even if Carmelo were to leave um, and decline that player option and maybe go hook up with LeBron somewhere, a core of Steven Adams, Paul George, and Russell Westbrook, shut up, man. That, that's going to be – there are not many teams in the league that can – that can that can go along with that. Yeah. Well, it's, talking about that, look, the Thunder are playing great. That you mentioned how their offense has become one of the tops in the league. They're sixteen and five over the last month and a half. They've won eight straight. They've beaten in their last meetings with these teams. They've beaten San Antonio, Golden State, and Houston. And I could throw in Cleveland which, you know, we know is a contender even though they're not playing yeah. well. And and you, know, you can throw in you can throw in you can, yeah, you can throw in Toronto. Um Minnesota yeah. they lost no, they lost to Minnesota last night. You can throw Toronto in there too. Okay. I mean they beat they beat the heavy hitters, man. So why why do you well one, why do you think they play so well against these top teams? And two, what do you think I mean I don't want to say they're ceiling because obviously if if everything worked perfectly, I mean, they have enough talent to be right there as far as the championship. But what do you think, like, what do you think they, how do you think this season will end for them? How deep in the playoffs do you think they go? Um, and like I said, um, why do they play so well against these top teams? Okay. Um, I'll start with the, I'll start with the second question. I, I think the Andre Robertson injury changes, it changes a lot. And it and it, and it it hurts. It, it's a killer, man. It seems like the Thunder's had they've almost had a snake bit history in terms of injuries when it comes to them achieving their their peak. You know, whether it's whether it's Westbrook getting his knee injury in the year that they won sixty games, and they were they were looking like they were coming off that finals appearance and looking like they were going straight back to the finals, and Westbrook gets the knee injury, and then they 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 bow out against. Uh, the, I think it was the Grizzlies. Uh, no, it was the Rockets that series. I'm sorry. Or, you know, you get the Durant injury that derails the season. Or you get Serge Ibaka injury that, you know, forces them to drop two games in the playoffs a few years back. I think the second round is probably – I'd be surprised if they got out of the second round. Because okay. if they're – if they get to the three seed, I'd have better hopes for them – Maybe getting out of the second. If if they're in the four and they got to play a home series, if they're a home team against Minnesota and they're the four, that's going to be a slugfest, man. That's going to be tough. So I think the second round is their peak. I don't think they get past Houston or Golden State. Uh, Robertson might have changed that discussion. I would have given him a fighter's chance if Robertson was there because Robertson was probably the best defensive player in the league this season. And Paul George is a close second. So to have one of those guys down against the perimeter-oriented Rockets in, in, in Houston, you know, James Harden is sleeping a lot better at night because Andre Robertson was out. Clay, Clay Thompson is sleeping a lot better at night because Andre Robertson's out. So I think their peak is the second round. Now, for the other question – they clearly get up for these big games and it's going to be interesting to see how many times they can do that in this second half of the season when they don't have an Andre Robertson, when the frequency of these big games increases, they're going to be playing golden state three more times. They're going to be playing Houston 
two more times. They're going to have San Antonio a couple more times. Does Are they going to be able to get up for those games as many times as they did in the beginning of the season when they don't have a hundred Roberts? I think they clearly lacked a certain focus against teams that they thought were lesser than them in the beginning of the season. I think there was some arrogance to this team actually to start the season. They kept saying to themselves, oh, it'll, it'll figure itself out. It'll work itself out. They kept hearing coaches around the league say, oh, these guys are going to figure it out. They're going to work it out. But I think there was a certain level of focus missing, particularly in terms of their offense, in terms of running their sets. When teams made runs on them, they quit running sets. They would just go to isolation offense. Now, when teams make a run, they keep doing the things that they were doing before. They get the ball in Russell Westbrook's hands. He gets to the rack. He gets to the free throw line. He gets to his mid-range. Then that opens up the transition game, and he's finding those trailers. He's finding Paul George. He's finding Steven Adams sealing off a smaller defender on the break. He's finding Carmelo Anthony. They're executing their offense better when they get in adverse situations. They weren't doing that at the beginning of the year, particularly against teams like the Kings or Orlando. Just inexcusable lapses in focus in terms of just being able to run your simple sets when teams come back at you. So now when they get in adverse situations, they have confidence. They know they can go back to certain sets. They're not trying to win the game by themselves. And that's when you've seen them start to separate from teams. And that, to me, was the saddest thing about the Pistons game when Andre Robertson got hurt um, on Saturday. They're going back and forth with the Pistons for two quarters. They didn't really play any defense in the first half. They come out in the third quarter and just go on a 15-0 run. They just blast them out of the building. And there's only been a handful of times that I've seen the Thunder in the three years I've covered them where they just overwhelm teams with their swagger, their execution, their defense, and it all comes together at once. Once was um, the Western Conference Finals when they were at home against Golden State. Um, There was a time this season against Toronto where they went on a run where it was just all downhill. And then the game against the Pistons, you know, you have Russell Westbrook high-stepping on the break. You've got guys hitting – Uh, transition three-pointers. you got them getting like four or five consecutive defensive stops with the Pistons not even getting a shot off. And then Robertson gets hurt, and it derails the entire thing. So that was a really deflating moment to watch. But it was also encouraging because you saw how devastating this team can be when they're really flowing and they're really on a roll. Eric, you have been tremendous. I appreciate your time, man. Great insight. Uh, I look forward to seeing you soon. Are you going to be at the All-Star Weekend? I sure will, man. We're definitely going to have to link up. Yeah, definitely, man. Keep doing a great job. Um, Again, wonderful insight and information, man. Thanks a lot for joining In The Zone. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Anytime. All right, brother. See you in a few weeks. All right. See you, dude. Wow, that was a great interview with Eric Horn of the Oklahoman. Uh, we're going to move right from that into Knockdown Jay, which we always love doing with my man Jason McIntyre, Jay Mack, or, or, or otherwise known as my punching bag. Oh, but before we get to that, I do want to hit on a serious note. Obviously, we all have heard the news about Rasul Butler, the former NBA player, 
who was killed along with his wife in a car crash. Uh, just want to send my regards out to his family uh, and praying for their comfort in this tough time. Uh, it's just a sad thing. I, I didn't know Rasul well, but I did know him. Everything I heard about him, he was just a great guy, a very positive individual. So this is a big loss for the NBA community. So our prayers go out to uh, Rasul's family. With that said, let's bring in Jay Mack. What's happening, man? Uh, that is an unfortunate note, very sad story. Uh, we'll try to make it a little happier here talking NBA, although I'll beat you up a little less because, uh, you know, you're on the other side of the country this week. Chris, I got to get yes. started with this. I, I heard your great interview with, uh, from the, with the Oklahoman writer. I cannot believe he said that the Thunder have a 52% chance of keeping Paul George. I mean, that is absolutely insanity. Chris, if you know... Have you been listening to Paul George recently? Means absolutely if, nothing if, in January. If it's we are perfect. headed in the right... They have won 16 of their last 22 oh, games. wow. 16, 16 and 6. Their offense... Hey, that's 16 and 6 if you, if you can do 19? math. I mean, come on. They're right. much better than the Cavs. They've beaten Golden State. They've beaten Houston. They have. They've beaten San Antonio. They've beaten Cleveland. Uh, they are playing... Very good basketball. I'm not saying they're going to beat Golden State. Okay, well, State. let me get to my point at least, okay? So I, you just said, said it was ridiculous. Of keeping Paul George. Well, you mentioned all those great wins. That was with defensive wizard Andre Roberson. I believe the change Robertson. with Roberson out, they're going to need If you Paul, can't pronounce his name, you don't know about his I game. I said Andre Roberson, ah. did I not? Did it's I Roberson. Okay. Roberson, sorry. <laughs> Paul George now has to take his place as the defensive stopper, Chris. That means... If they match up with Houston, Paul, you got to guard James Harden. We need you to lock him down. Paul, you got to guard Kawhi Leonard. We need you to lock him down. Oh, Kevin Durant, Paul, you got to guard him. I don't think Paul George is going to be excited about that. And remember, this is a team where their defensive numbers with Ro Andre Robertson are way up. Without him, way down. This is a huge loss. I don't think Paul George is happy. He's not an all-star. I know he's He's not happy. He but, is an all-star. Well, he is now, but he did not get chosen it, for the team. It counts team. all the same, It does. Man. However, if he were on the Lakers, as he will be next year, he's going to he be the alpha. Be an if LeBron doesn't come, he will 100% be an all-star with the Lakers. If he was on I the think, Lakers this year, he wouldn't have been an all-star. Uh, no, because they, they wouldn't would be, be in the playoffs. Well, they, would be in the, they would be in the top eight. But, Chris, without question, Paul George, 0% chance of staying in OKC. Your thoughts? Well, what, so are you saying he shouldn't consider staying in OKC? Yeah, I don't think he should consider it at all. Unless Why? he wants to continue being a second banana, a Scottie Pippen, when in reality, Paul George can be an alpha. He can be a number Really? One he can be an alpha? Yeah, like he when was he in was Indiana. When he was an alpha, yeah, like he was in Indiana the last two years when they finished seventh and eighth yeah. in the East. Yeah, are you forgetting about the years Take he took that, them to the Eastern bring, Conference Finals? Bring that stuff to the West. Oh, and those Indiana Pacers team would not have even made the playoffs. He made the Eastern you... Conference Finals twice as their alpha, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with LeBron, putting up like 27 a game. He is an the alpha. Last, the last two years in Indiana, when he was the alpha, they finished seventh and eighth with in the Eastern bad teams. With Miles he Turner. Them to the playoff. Miles Turner was like 19 years old, man. Come on. With, with Jeff Teague who's starting on a home court advantage playoff team in the West. <laughs> He's the reason, with, yes, yes. With yes, Thaddeus yes. Young. Woo, I'm just saying he Thaddeus had Lance, Young. Lance oh Stevenson. Gosh. 
He had okay. enough talent where they should have been hiring the East. He, look, I like Paul George. I don't want to bash Paul George. He's a very good player. He's a top 15 NBA player without what, a doubt. Whatever. Whatever. That doesn't mean you can lead a team to contention for an NBA title because there aren't 15 guys in the league who can do that. All right. So Paul George should stay in Oklahoma City. If there's no implosion in the locker room or if they, you know, in the court, it just gets ugly. How about- if there's nothing, if there's no, let me finish. If there's nothing like that, they continue to play well, maybe get to the second round and lose. I mean, nobody said they're going to beat Houston or Golden State, but they get to the second round, play one of those two teams tough, uh, then he should stay in Oklahoma City at least next year. Okay, let me give it, that. give it, let me okay. give it one more year. You'll be better acclimated to. Billy Donovan's system, you'll be better acclimated to playing with Russ as we see. The whole team will have better chemistry next year. Give it one more year to see if you can make a run. Why go to the Lakers? Now, we're assuming he doesn't go with LeBron. If he and LeBron go to the Lakers together, I can't be too mad ah. at him because let me think, because that, you know, would, would be a good team in the West. But I'm talking, we're talking right now just about Paul George. Do not go to the Lakers next year by yourself because you will not make the playoffs in the West, and there's a good chance because of that you would not make the All-Star team again. You stay in Oklahoma, you get home court advantage next year, you make another All-Star team, and your team will be better suited to make a run at the Warriors. Okay. Did you watch the first game last night that the Wizards played now that John Wall's out for six weeks? It was against yes. OKC. Did you see how bad OKC looked? They got run out of the yeah. gym and you by know what Bradley I, Beal and Otto Porter. That's a team that's not ready without on, without Andre. I'm not going to say his last name because I'll butcher it again. I'm I also you, saw, first of all, they, they've won a few games recently without Robertson. Yeah. Okay. Jeremy Grant and Terrence Ferguson, they're not Robertson. He's one of the best defenders in the that league. That is true. But as they mature over the course of time it, this year and get more acclimated to their role, their new role, I think they'll do pretty well in that position. And don't give me what happened last night. Yeah. Okay. What that's, I also, that's irrelevant, of course. Because guess what I also saw? What? I saw Golden State get beat by 30. Okay. I'm not going to jump to any conclusion. I'm not jumping to a conclusion off of that. All right, don't New give me York one game. To your head. I, I gave you a Good. month and a half yeah. of work. 16 and 6. You give me one game. Come on, brother. Chris, Come uh, on. Quick point. Quick point. Why uh, should he six. go to the – how good are the Lakers next year with Paul George? They're a playoff team a thousand percent in the playoffs. Hundred percent. Really? I mean, yeah. So no Tim, when I name a team, they'll be better than you. Uh, you, 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 you say something. Raise your hand or whatever. Okay. Golden State. <laughs> Come on. Houston. No. San Antonio. No. Minnesota. Oklahoma. They're gonna be better in better Minnesota. Better than Minnesota. Be- oh, yes. Stop. Oh my goodness. I should kick you out of the zone. I should kick you out of the zone for saying that. All right, let's move They're on Minnesota to the next one. going to be nice. I don't want to deal you are we, are we judging this New one? York, hanging out is, with your is Josh, living is it Josh up? there? Well, no, not, Josh is not here. You're living it up in wait, New wait. York. Hold on, hold on. I go to New York. You're in my studio, <laughs> and you, you, have, you have convinced my producers, my staff, that we should no longer judge this because yeah, you lose every week. We're going to judge it. Listen, your boy Goldie's trying to hang out at UCLA and play basketball. We don't have him right now. Let's Andrew Lynch. Lynch is not here. Jeremy Listen, Benbo. They are. They Neil Foley. They, you are Benbo living it up shot. in New York, so they're like enjoying all this free time without you. Man, you, you lucky, bro. 
All right, right I'll do it. Next one zero, Broussard. Of Go ahead. Next topic. So the big trade in the NBA this this week: Blake Griffin from the Clippers to the Pistons. Massive trade. And uh, I look at it, Chris, and I think without question, the L.A. Clippers won this deal. I thought it was good for the Pistons. Listen, when you're in Detroit and you're not going to lure big-time free agents, you get Blake, you deal with it. That's as good as you can do. But this is a home run for the Clippers. Home they, run? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Is it ever. They're Explain. Getting, well, first of all, Blake Griffin has been largely rendered irrelevant in the NBA because of math. Okay? He's 20, not a hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He's a 22 dunker. points. Eight rebounds, five assists a game. 44% Irrelevant. field goal shooting. And has a team. On a losing team. But hold on, hold on. Has a team full of injuries, lost their best player in the playoff hunt in the West. But he's irrelevant. Okay, go ahead. I mean, yeah, if you want to get to the playoffs and get smoked by the Warriors and embarrassed in four games, yeah, that's you great. Just, you just told me that's what Paul George should sign up for. No, he's not going to be the eighth seed. They're looking at like five or six next year. Oh, with the my Lakers. gosh. Come on. So anyway, so the, the reason I love it for the Clippers is you want to be flexible, Chris. You want to accumulate draft picks. They got one in the Pistons trade. And you want to have the ability to go to Kawhi Leonard, who maybe wanted to get out of San Antonio. You can go to Porzingis when he's unhappy with the Knicks. And Giannis, if he grows tired of Milwaukee. And these guys demand a trade the way Butler decided, and eh, I'm done here. Kyrie, I'm out. You want to have the ability to go after those guys say, listen, we're in a number one market in the country. We have cap room galore. Come to sunny L.A., enjoy it, and that's where the Clippers are going to be when Jerry West is done with this team before the trade deadline. I love it if I'm the Clippers. Look, I'm not going to kill the Clippers. I think it was fine. I think it was a decent trade for both teams. I understand why Detroit did it. If Detroit can get to, say, the second round of the playoffs in the East, and with Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, Reggie Jackson was playing a little better this year. You know, maybe you throw in a couple more pieces they can add. If they get to the, to the second round, two out of the last four years of Blake's contract, they're happy with that. They've been irrelevant for the last, you know, nine years. Yep. So I get it from their standpoint. I get it from the Clippers' standpoint. You were going to be mediocre, a lower-rung playoff team with Blake this year. You know, if, if indeed you even made it. So I'm not going to kill both teams. I, I will push back on the notion that the Clippers won definitively. And I know that's a popular notion. I think it was fine for both teams. Here's why I'll push back. There is, there is the, no guarantee that when you decide to rebuild that it's going to work out. Everybody's looking at Philadelphia, who could have two of the all-time greats and Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and saying, Let's do that. Let me let me let you in on a little secret. This is what this is how a lot of executives in the NBA keep their jobs. They sell hope to the owner. The team's bad. The team's horrible. But but we've got draft picks. How about Phoenix? And hold on, let me finish. We've got draft picks, and we've got you know young players. That that's hope. You don't know if that's going. First of all, I'm tired of. People overestimating the value of a draft pick. Guess, guess who was a lottery pick last year? Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, Josh Jackson. How are those looking? Are they turning things around? No. So, you know, stop it with the draft pick. It's just selling. It's just pulling the wool over the eyes of these owners. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay, let me give you even Donovan some Mitchell's stronger. Not 19. Let, me, let me give you some stronger evidence. Okay. All right. 
there are more often than not when teams hit the total rebuild button and I know the Clippers are denying it probably because they know these facts I'm about to ring out to you <laughs> you usually it it you usually don't get back to where you were the Clippers may never get back to where they were which was a relevant second round playoff team they'll look back seven years from now and say man we never won it all but those Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan years were pretty good. Here's why. Here's why. Yeah. No, you'll take it. How far did, did Phoenix go with Steve Nash? Did they ever get to the even the finals? No. But you Phoenix would die for that run. How far did Sacramento go with Paige Stoyakovich, Chris oh, like Webber in the game? I like those teams. Yeah, they were great. They never got to the finals, though. Sacramento would kill for that run. The Knicks with Patrick Ewing, disappointing, never won it. The Knicks would die for that type of run this year. Let's go over the, the math. Phoenix Suns, who I mentioned, they decided to do what the Clippers just did in 2010. They let Amari Stoudemire walk, okay? They didn't Which was soon, a good decision, though, Chris. Okay, they didn't soon let Steve Nash get traded to the – they traded him to the Lakers, Okay. Here's what's happened to Phoenix since. With all their draft picks, their young talent, and they got some because Devin Booker is the man, okay? But they have not sniffed the playoffs since 2010. Let's move on. Sacramento. We're going to rebuild. We're going to do the same thing the Clippers just did. Let's trade Chris Webber to Phoenix or to Philadelphia because you know what? We just didn't get it done. It was it's over. It was it. We never won a championship. Let's move on. Guess what happened to them? They made the playoffs one more year after that and haven't been to the playoffs since 2006. Let's move on. Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, these are teams, though, that cannot get free agents, Chris. Cleveland Cavaliers. I know Cleveland. Nobody's going there. People will go to L.A. Oh, really? How yeah. many Clippers have – how many well, free agent signings have the Clippers now got? Now, Jerry West is running the show. He's respected. He's the logo. It's Jerry West is the man. But no when, they sign, when they sign a big-time free agent, that'll be the first, okay. first great when they sign. Cavaliers with Kyrie Irving and another number one pick. Irrelevant. <laughs> Irrelevant. They got lucky that LeBron decided to grace them with his presence again. So all, <laughs> I, all I'm saying, Orlando, Woo. Dwight Howard. Now, it wasn't their fault Dwight left. But since Dwight left, they've been in rebuild mode, haven't come close to the playoffs since 2012. All I'm saying, J-Mac, is don't I, these executives sometimes be selling dreams, all right? They sell dreams to the owners. I know our team is horrible. Let me get some picks. Let me get some cap room yeah. and tell him hope reigns supreme, all right? They, look, I, I'm not saying the Clippers can't get back, and they have Jerry West at the helm. I love him, but this notion that this was great, and they're definitely going to get back to, you know, being a, a, a first or second round playoff team in the next seven years. They may not. Yeah, I, so don't tell way, me how they won so much. I, they ain't I, won I just nothing. Say, they gave was, away one of the most exciting players in the league. Their, their fan base was raucous. I would go to the games. People were excited about yeah. them. That's better than being Sacramento or Phoenix or Orlando, which could be where they're headed. People were excited about Blake Griffin and his 
six surgeries, and he's what, 28, 29 years old? Chris, I do want to give you. Do you ever go, have you been to a Clippers game this year? I have not. No. Am All I missing right. out? All right, Am I missing out I on think, their losses? Then I Chris, think I. Uh, I cheering think for I Lou Williams. I, no, I've listen, been there. That was a passionate rant. I love that. I want to make a note here to our guys. We need to r- run that back come June, July, early when free agency hits. Because that was good. When LeBron, uh, yeah, when LeBron becomes the Clipper, right? When LeBron and Paul George join the Clippers. Speaking okay. of LeBron, last topic. Uh, your buddy, LeBron James, can you text Two. him and say great oh. job? Uh, LeBron had a cryptic message on Instagram, his story today, after an embarrassing loss to the Pistons last night. This is what LeBron said. When you become lazy, it's disrespectful to those who believe in you. Now, we can spend 20 minutes. Who was it about? Was it about Isaiah? Was it about Kevin Love's injury? Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith? We won't go there. Chris, I just want to say right now, the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be without Kevin Love for six weeks. I think LeBron is angry. You know I've been leading the charge that LeBron is leaving Cleveland. It's looking increasingly you, You're leading the charge. Oh, I have been all season. You've been <laughs> killing me. And now you're going to give me some props. No one else Chris, is saying that. Well, yeah, now they're saying it. But, Chris, I do want to say this. Okay, here's the last number I'm going to give you. LeBron spent four years in Miami. He gave over, over 125 points three times. The Cavs, this season are playing so bad at defense, they've given up 125 or more five times. Chris, it's DEFCON 1 in Cleveland. Your thoughts? Well, look, I mean, you mentioned the defense. I don't think it's fair to just throw out the points per game because it's a different era. I mean, everybody's scoring is up. I mean, it's, it's up all over the league because, you know, three-point shot has become so prevalent. But you're right. I mean, I would have preferred you give me a defensive efficiency number or field goal well, percentage. Tw- I think they're 29th number. the defensive. Yeah, they're horrible defensive. I mean, yeah, they're horrible. And Isaiah Thomas, so, your buddy, your, negative your point 25 well last night, six turnovers. Continue. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to defend the Cavaliers. They're horrible. Um, what about LeBron going after his teammates right before the I don't know what he's – I'll say Ooh, what, you think he's talking about his maid? Come let on. me say this. The quote is tremendous. <laughs> I don't I, – my guess is that's not a quote that LeBron made up. I'm sure that's some philosopher or something. If it is, if he did make it up, Socrates. great job. Yeah, Because that's a serious quote. I love the quote. However, I don't like this form of motivation, if you will, that LeBron likes to use. I don't. It wasn't because of these little cryptic tweets. It was just because he's such a great basketball player, and they had other great basketball players like Kyrie and Kevin Love and, and good role players. Um I don't like it because, number one, if it's not – if you're just throwing it out there and it, it's not – because he said that before, some tweets he's, or tweets the or fist, Instagram posts he put out that he said is. had nothing to do with his team. It was about his kids and stuff like that. I mean, you know how it's going to be taken, all right? So, number one, this I don't like it for that reason. Number two, if you are referring to your teammates – or coaches or executives in front office, owner, whoever, just go to them man-to-man and talk to them. But we don't know he you hasn't know, done that. He could have done that. I know. I'm and just now saying, he's putting it out in the I'm, I'm just saying I would rather – that's that's the better way to handle no, it. This, no, no, this no, stuff no, no. doesn't – This is totally. – Chris, this, this is what leaders really, do. If I'm, if I'm having a – He's what? He's one of the best players in NBA history. You yes. Think he's going to settle for this – That doesn't mean he's perfect. From that doesn't Thomas? mean he's perfect. And this, this style of leadership 
is not, I don't think it's becoming. He should just sit him. back and just deal with the garbage defense from Isaiah. No, he should, go, he should go and talk to whoever he's got an issue with man to man. That's how you do it. Or you pull if down I, their pants this, in front of everybody this and say, this is what's up. We don't know what he's saying. Oh, he might yeah. not be talking about anybody. He's talking about his dog. You're right. I forgot. His who, dog who do you think he's talking about? Who do you Isaiah think he's talking Thomas, about? who was really? terrible. His defense has been an embarrassment, Chris. He's at 15 It was an embarrassment, 25% on three-pointers. He's been awful. And he's chummy with Dan Gilbert. I'm sure you read that story. He's texting with Dan Gilbert. Isaiah wants that next contract, man. He don't care about this team. He's thinking about next year. It is toxic in Cleveland right now, Chris. I don't care what you're reading or hearing. I know it is ugly. If they they could they play the Heat tonight on a back to back, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not toxic and ugly. It, it is. I mean, who 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 doesn't? That's I mean, why he's obvious. leaving. Are you on board that LeBron is out? Hundred percent out. He's probably leaving. Probably. I mean, I'm not going hundred percent because I don't look. I don't make that. I'm not oh, doing. Oh come that, on, that's right? what this I is don't about. Know. Fine, you're gonna take another I'm gonna loss. Say, look, on your I don't own know. Podcast. All right, no, I don't know if he's leaving and neither Nobody do you. Does, talk, you I haven't talked to anybody who's within a thousand miles of LeBron James, so just stop it. <laughs> All right, I'm 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 more responsible than that. Oh yes, I think he's leaving, but I don't know for sure. All right, is he going to the Lakers? You. Now let me say this: here's why he's not. He's definitely not talking about Isaiah Thomas. Oh, I think LeBron has got higher character than that. Okay, Isaiah Thomas, his defense has been atrocious. You're absolutely right. But guess what? It's because he's 5'9 and because he's not a good defender. It's not because he's lazy. He's never been a good defender. Okay. He's not shooting the ball well. It's not because he's lazy. He's not doing anything. It's because, it's because he's coming back. He's just got back, what, 9, 10 games excuses, from a 7 and an injury that kept him out 7 months. Now, I'm going to give LeBron James more credit than to jump on a 5'9 cat who no, everybody knows can't defend and a guy who's shooting poorly because he's rusty. So who's he talking I about, I don't Chris? think he's going to call him out and say he's lazy. Who's he calling All out? Right, that would be Training ridiculous. You, if you want to say Isaiah Thomas is not playing well, he's got to pick it up, we need him to, you know, concentrate more, whatever. But don't call him lazy. I think the dude is trying. Okay. All right? Now, who, I don't know who he's talking about, but if I had to render a guess, I would say Dan Gilbert because I and the front office. It's not a bad guess. Because I think what he's saying, if, if he's addressing somebody with the Cavaliers organization, I think it's Dan in the front office because I, I, would, I speculate that he's implying that you are not beating the bushes hard enough to find us a trade that will get us on a different level, closer or equal to the Warriors. That, and then that you could say that's being lazy. Okay. You, Chris, instead say, you, you, instead of being at all these college games watching Trey Young, the man, by the way. Right, yeah, he's scouting uh, Trey Young. He ain't selling the team if he's it ain't time to be. It ain't time to be scouting. Yeah. All right, you got time to scout. It's time for you to be in your computer, on your phone, trying to get us a trade that will make us better. If you're not doing that, you're being lazy. That's what I think he's saying. An uncharacteristically strong performance from you today, Broussard. Honestly, you had some of your better points. I don't know what it is about New York. Uh, maybe you got soft coming out here in L.A. I've been beating you up lately. 
This was one of your better performances. I got to give you some props. That was a very nice. That was a very nice way of saying, Chris, you (laughs) kicked my butt today. All right. So you're back here next. You're back here next week in your zone. I'm back there next week to slap them up again. All right. Good job. You brought some good topics. Um, I I can't say you acquitted yourself well. Commenters are going to love this one, Chris. I know they're going to. They've been gassing me up since I showed off the guns a couple weeks ago. Yeah. You know, you keep you keep wearing your little tank tops. You keep wearing your little son's tank top. You don't even follow me on IG. All tight on you and all that. You you know, you're going to get some fans out there. (laughs) I give you, you credit. You in the weight room. You in the weight room. All right, my man, Jay Mack, always good to debate and discuss with you. Love you, brother. I'll see you next week in L.A. Good job. All right, thanks.